0: podcast one production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. This episode is actually something that I put in a request for uh, personally because I'm sometimes a bit sceptical about supplements. I mean, can you just pop us something to make yourself feel better? doesn't really come down to that. Are they all they're cracked up to be or is it just big business? And I know they've come under the spotlight recently, so we did a bit of digging, right?
1: Yeah, well, I get it because obviously I use them every day with really good success and <laughs> I'm a practitioner, so I'm also told that they work just like a doctor might be told to prescribe something. Mm-hmm. We're told that they're safe and effective and that they get results and... I love, however, to keep the conversation organic and healthy and learn. So it's really (laughs) exciting that we can talk about these things given that this is kind of like my craft.
0: Mm, That's right. And also, it's professional development for you too, I suppose. I wonder if I I can get credit points for that. Oh, I think you can, (laughs) for this one particularly. Um, So we thought we'd call in the experts on this topic because really, it's kind of difficult to to get to the bottom of it. And you, with your connections worldwide, you found somebody who was, uh, well, he seemed to have a lot of credentials. Yes, he did.
1: But seriously, I have to say that there are some supplements that have totally changed my life. Mm-hmm. And then there's other supplements that I've taken that I've thought, nah, not so much. I'm not really sure that I had any effect, <laughs> which is probably not great. But I think you've got to take it all into
0: consideration. Yeah. And what were the ones that you... Um You know, always go to. I reckon you could answer what my Mm. favourite supplement is. Yeah, it would be it a lot. magnesium. Yes.
1: Yeah. I'm a wild fan of magnesium because mm-hmm. we just don't have enough of it and it seems to be a bit of a game changer for patients. So very good. I love inositol as well and I also love glutamine. They're like my favourites. Um, what Inositol is really good for women with PCOS. It helps to make the cells more sensitive to insulin. Um, glutamine's really good for gut and rebuilding and repairing the gut wall. Uh-huh. Um, we can get some of these things through food, but, yeah, I do quite like
0: those. They're probably my favourites. Okay, so... Uh, This is the thing. I I suppose your purist would say, well, we should be eating enough food and enough good food that we can get everything we need nutritionally from it, but that's not really the reality for a lot of people, is it?
1: You know what? I'm not actually going to answer your question. I'm going to let the guest answer because we've got an expert on all things supplements amongst other things. We'll let him introduce himself.
2: All right. All right. Well, um, I am Corey Schuler, and I run the Metabolic Treatment Center in Hudson, Wisconsin. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as, as generalists. We're not really specialists. A lot of people like the idea of being a specialist, and I like the idea of being a, a generalist, sort of knowing a little bit about everything, uh, knowing some medications, knowing supplements, knowing you know food and dietary approaches. Um, I'm a medical affairs specialist. I work in the dietary supplement industry and have done that for the last decade and I, I teach at the university, I teach graduate students nutrition assessment. So I love labs, I love supplements, I love people, like it's all love everywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love that we are in great company. So I guess what prompted us to actually reach out to Corey as an expert on all things supplements was that article that you saw in the paper.
0: Yeah, so it was last year and if you'd listened to our previous podcast, we did do a bit of a discussion about it because there was an article in the paper that said are supplements worthwhile, or is it just big business? And are we just creating very, very nutrient-rich urine that we should be putting on the garden? Very expensive mm-hmm. urine, I think we said, didn't we? Yeah, very expensive. <laughs> so that was the first thing we asked him.
2: Well, I mean, I think that uh, I think there's some credence to that. To be very fair, um, there's. Uh, a wide variety of uh, of dietary supplements, um, and uh, regulations are different from country to country, and uh, and from manufacturer to manufacturer. Um, there is supposed to be minimum standards, and and most of the time, I think that those are um, those are accomplished. But they really are minimal standards, and they really look at just basic basic safety. And uh, procedures that keep things out, like toxic metals and things out.
1: But hang on he goes on to explain more.
2: But I also think that that statement is painted with an extremely broad brush mm. um, because to, to suggest that dietary supplements are you know are all uh, you know a waste of time or money um, is a lot like saying all medications are are horribly dangerous and should all be avoided or, or surgery is, is never the answer when the reality is is that there's context to this, right?
0: I reckon uh, last year was the first year I did not get really sick and lose my voice in about five years. Now I had little kids over that five years period and we did go through that stage where we caught every virus that was within five kilometres of us and I wasn't taking much to support myself throughout that time and in retrospect I wish I was but last year I was taking a probiotic and I reckon that made a big difference.
1: I can't get past you losing your voice because mm. how do you work? You how can't. do you
0: scream at your children? No, well, you can't work. <laughs> it's actually really hard. So one year I lost my voice, I reckon, six times over... Some
1: people would say that you're not voicing mm. something that you need to say when you lose your voice. Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh yeah. Like metaphysically, if you if the same thing keeps on, this is totally off topic, oh, right. but if the same thing keeps on coming up, like yes. if you can't hear properly or you've got a blocked ear, what aren't you hearing? If your vision's funny, blurry, what aren't you seeing? If you lose your voice, what aren't you saying? Whoa. I wasn't yeah. saying much. Well, clearly, and, if you've lost your voice six
0: times. Well, it was very difficult though, <laughs> but psychologically it was hard because I couldn't work mm. and I, and like you say, I couldn't actually even communicate with people and, and I kept getting, I was quite depressed because mm. uh, this kept happening over and over and over. Well,
1: I know that I have plenty of stories of people taking supplements that have had great success, probably one of the most standout stories as Mm. of late was a patient who suffered from extreme, and I mean extreme anxiety for 16 years. She could have a panic attack or an anxiety attack just by thinking about it. She could be anywhere and bring it on. And I think maybe that could have been a coping mechanism for her as well, Mm. knowing that I can control this by having an attack like you know I yeah. think for her that was a real thing um so I literally I didn't do very much at all but one of the things I did was change the dose of a few things that she was taking that were just supplements like magnesium and a probiotic but changing the dose to be correct for what she was experiencing and this is the new wave of supplements is that we're starting to learn that dosage is really important and you shouldn't muck around with that I should just put that on the record no. you should always take the recommended dose but when you're seeing a practitioner this is where you can up-level your health because we can say, all right, you should be taking this much. We can take a little bit more based on the fact that your body's using more or is using less or whatever. Mm. And... She literally came back into the office two weeks later and she said to me, what the hell have you done? (laughs) I can't even bring one on if I want to. And that was after 16 years of anxiety. It wasn't magic. It wasn't magical at all. It was just giving her body exactly what it needed so it wasn't operating out of this really stressed place. It was an absolute game changer for her. So when I look at instances like that, I don't feel like it can be placebo. I feel like there has to be an element of therapeutic benefit to the supplements that we're prescribing.
2: Dietary supplements science is uh is a lot different than it was in the in the sixties when people were in their basement shoveling calcium into tablets. Like it's not like that anymore.
1: So my mum, she was a supplement hoochie. <laughs> 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 she loved it. Did you have
0: supplements growing up? Um I don't really remember. I think I used to get a bit of the old pentavite. Pentavite? <laughs> a little bit of a little, <laughs> bit of a vitamin yeah. hit when I was little but Not that I can recall, but as a child, I was quite sickly. Mm. I had epilepsy and I had asthma. So I was always on drugs of some sort for quite a big period of time there. So I think probably um, Mum did want to mess with that. Of course, yes, Mm.
1: absolutely. Well, my love of natural medicine definitely stemmed from my childhood experiences, no doubt. What was your mum giving you? Oh, mum was a hippie? Yeah. she a hippie. No, we never had kombucha. That wasn't cool then. That wasn't hip. <laughs> it's hip now. Um no, we would definitely be treated with supplements first. Oh, well, I was a very sick child as well. Mm-hmm. So I had the whole suite of medications and then I think mum worked out that just was I wasn't getting any better. So she looked outside of that because what I was being given wasn't actually treating the problem. So I think that was a big part of what my love eventually of natural therapies, yeah, look from. what she created. Wow. <laughs> a monster. An absolute monster.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think that definitely, like everything, our childhood experiences, do
0: shape what we're doing oh, moving forward. So talking about this, we asked Corey as our special guest, you know, what he thought about us needing supplements specifically. And this is what he had to say.
2: I think we need supplements because we typically need safer approaches to um, address moderate dysfunction. Now, that was like a really weird way of saying it, <laughs> but but I think it's kind of the most accurate way. In a perfect world, we wouldn't need supplements. You said it, and I'll say it, and then I'll also say, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need drugs, and in a perfect world, we wouldn't need surgery, and in a perfect world, we wouldn't need psychiatrists, but (laughs) or whatever. Like name your name your intervention. Um, But I I read a a really interesting um, idea that, um, and I I think it was attributed to uh, like Aristotle, that uh, that medicine and and healing is a, a cooperative art much like agriculture. So a farmer could harvest, uh, you know, wheat or well, wheat, sort of a, a bad guy now, right? Uh, corn or herb, <laughs> uh, bad guys too. Uh, uh, <laughs> a farmer could harvest a crop, um, but if they plant it in rows and use big machinery, they can do it faster and more effective and get a higher yield. And I think that there's some, uh, you know, dietary supplements as sort of a, a higher yield approach sometimes than food alone um, and maybe uh, a, a, has a wider therapeutic window than some of the medications that do similar things.
0: Now, speaking about that, you know, talking about you in the clinic and your patient with the anxiety and the fact that you tailored what she was taking for her specifically, that's what Corey had to say too and that is such a thing that I've learned through these podcasts, that there's a real shift now, I think, in the way people are approaching their own health, but the way health practitioners across the board are actually looking specifically at individuals. So it's become about tailoring things to the individual person rather than just a one-size-fits-all, right? Mm, I think this is what made
1: me fall in love with Chinese medicine, that it's definitely a root cause, not a symptomatic fix. So looking at the reason why it's there, and I guess that's also why I'm constantly asking the question why. I'm constantly talking to people, not challenging, but just I want to know why. I want logic to prevail and I feel like that that at times goes out the window and we get very fixated on the symptom rather than the reason that it's happening. You know, women do things like have laparoscopy and that's not necessarily incorrect. If they've got endometriosis, they might have that cleared out. It's fabulous. I think it's a good treatment but it's not a long-term solution so if you're having laparoscopy after laparoscopy but you're not changing your diet and lifestyle of course Mm. it's going to keep on coming back so we're definitely looking at this whole idea of why is that happening and I love the fact that it's being integrated into western treatments because that is really the only way we're going to have long-term solutions.
0: We talked to Corey about this and of course we asked him like we were saying why can't you just get it from food?
2: A lot of times we can um but, and I'll say this, um, if you don't eat the right food, um, it's super hard to get better. <laughs> like, that's that's what makes life really hard. So I'm I'm trained in, in nursing, um, and uh, what we, you know, we see a lot of uh, interesting things, but it co- it's really coming from a conventional approach. And uh, we have the hardest time getting people to eat the right food because oftentimes it's you know, pre-surgical or post-surgical, we're just trying to let them eat whatever they are willing to eat. Um, but we never really, we never have the opportunity to really dive in and say, is this the optimal food that you should be eating for, for health? But I can tell you that the people that don't eat well or choose empty calorie food or, or choose low diversity food, every meal of every day for years and years and years, and won't change that, make uh, make healing really hard.
1: I love that Corey used a wonderful example of SIBO. So if you don't know what SIBO is, nah. SIBO stands for Small Intestine Bacterial Overgrowth. S-I-B-O. SIBO, yes. Well, it sounds better than what it actually is. I know, is, all these acronyms. Kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, But his discussion was actually too good to not share.
2: You can eat exactly the right thing, and rarely will that turn around unless you are more aggressive in your interventions. And so whether that's something like an elemental diet or antimicrobial herbs, which are my favorite tool, or antibiotics, Um, it's really hard to sort of shift that over. And uh, so I have a phrase, I say, you can't eat your way out of SIBO. And uh, that's, I think, to be truthful, uh, that's really the way it is.
0: Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Well, that's actually something I never thought I'd be talking about in a public forum. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Um, But it is interesting. And you know how I love balance. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting that he's saying while your diet can really, you know, make a big difference with this stuff, you can't do it just alone with the diet. Totally. Hey, let's continue looking at this idea
1: of eating yourself healthy Mm -hmm. after this short break when Dr Shuler shares with his thoughts on one of my most favourite topics, PCOS. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: In this episode of the Wellness Collective, we're joined by Dr. Corey Shuler. He's an expert in the field of natural health and metabolism and he runs a clinic called the Metabolic Treatment Centre in Minneapolis in the States. I think I said that right.
1: I think you might have. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, PCOS or polycystic yeah. ovarian syndrome, you've heard me talk about it. Once,
0: twice, maybe a hundred times. Yeah, but, you know, I'm still trying to get my head around how it all comes together. We all are.
1: But I see plenty of women in the clinic, and we're always making inroads to new discoveries and the best way to treat it and basing it on the individual. There's so many facets to it. So I was very interested to hear what he had to say when he brought the topic up.
2: The other condition that I see that's very hard is polycystic ovarian syndrome.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I used to say the same thing about PCOS. Um, that you couldn't eat your way out of PCOS, Ooh,
1: yeah, but right. the reality
2: is that you, you kind of can <laughs> you, for the most part, most of the people can make really significant strides by changing their diet and then they can just, uh, help with things around the edges, uh, with supplements or, or medications.
1: I'd actually love that he brought this up because I have been having incredible success with the right diet and lifestyle changes with patients that are suffering from PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome to the point that I've actually been able to take a lot of them off their supplements, Mm. which is crazy because I've never been really able to do that. And... Until date, I think the diet and lifestyle that has been recommended or researched and recommended has missed a few things. So there's definitely a few standout new tricks that apply for hormone imbalance and PCOS and it's really about getting the right advice.
0: I think it's so interesting that uh, I just went to the doctor the other day and I was talking to her about, you know... Well, I was kind of quizzing her actually. It was quite funny. I felt like I was in here in the studio. I was asking her all these questions. I think she was like, oh gosh, putting me on the spot. (laughs) But the thing that she said, unprompted by me, was she basically said, look, if you want to be healthy, you just need to have a good diet and eat food that's real and doesn't come from a packet and do exercise. She was like, it's actually not that difficult. It's not revolutionary. It's not. It's not revolutionary.
1: But we, we don't want to because we still look for the quick fix. And is there not a pill I could take instead of eating that?
0: But isn't it, don't you think also, if you Go back a couple of hundred years. You oh. didn't have the option. No, you just had food, right? Yes. And the, you had food that was available to you. And if you were, you know, deficient in something, probably because it just wasn't available to you, not because you were just eating stuff from fast food well, outlets. I'm pretty all the sure time.
1: that yeah, a hundred years ago, they weren't being fussy over what cut of meat they were eating.
0: But I wonder what kind of, that's right, whether that then led to less PCOS. Like what, what are the oh. stats? Do you reckon there was more of it now because of the imbalances I in the rest of our life? most
1: of our health issues are modern day yeah. health issues. They're not, 100 years ago, I don't even know. Well, the research indicates that PCOS stands the test of time because women well, thrive under famine yeah, yeah. who have PCOS. Yep. It, it reverts back, which is the whole idea of fasting, which we've touched on a few times. Yeah, we'll and have to go back to that. I, I know, think. right? Yeah. So, you know, it depends on the condition, but there are certainly characteristics to certain conditions which make them stronger in times of stress. Mm. And there are characteristics in other conditions that make them weaker in times of stress. So there, this is why disease and conditions have lasted, you know, throughout history. But I don't know which ones necessarily. I don't think cancers were a big issue
0: two or three hundred years ago. I think people just got old and died. <laughs> yeah, but around 40, so that wasn't so good. Hey, getting back onto the PCOS and diet and supplements and how that all came together. Look, I wanted to get Dr. Corey Shuler's uh, thoughts on what the best diet for PCOS was, because we like to get as much info as we can and, you know, make our decisions based on what we can find out
2: essentially the PCOS diet that's best for the women with PCOS and and best for fertility is probably the one that's going to help manage their blood sugar and insulin resistance best. And so for some women that's going to be a ketogenic diet, a super high fat diet, very, very, very low carbohydrates. Um, The challenge with that is it's really hard to have a quality menstrual cycle when you have a really high fat, low carbohydrate diet, but, um, sometimes that's best for, for individuals who lean that way. While other times uh, I'm a big fan of, of doing a trial of therapy of vegetarian or veganism. Actually, I like pescatarian because I, I like to have a little bit of uh, mm-hmm. concentrated protein in my diet uh, recommendations. So pescatarian meals tend to do really well for some people with insulin resistance and PCOS. And there's things in between too with names and fancy names and books written about
0: them and stuff.
1: Mm. So, therefore, it's safe to say that this all comes back around to that individualized approach. Mm. How about that? Funny that. <laughs> so, in the clinic, as a practitioner, I use practitioner grade. Mm -hmm. Supplements and they're not generally too much more expensive than those that you can get over the counter, but the quality is superior. And you know, if I always say to patients, if you can buy a year's supply of fish oil for like $16, -mm. that's not a good indication that it's a quality supplement. Like, Mm. you know, you can look and generally go. There's a really cheap version and there's quite an expensive version and somewhere around that expensive version is usually going to be better In and therefore you case. need less of it and or it's not going to uh. have an ill effect on your body. So something like fish oil, you don't want farmed fish oil. Mm. No one wants that. You want deep sea small fish that are not going to be as affected by things like mercury and whatever else. So mm-hmm. you do get what you pay for but I wanted to ask Corey what his thoughts on this were.
2: Uh, I mean, well, clearly they're, they're not. Um, my, so my, the team that I work with, uh, I have 70 people on, on our quality team. So that's people, we have microbiologists and we have food scientists and, um, people who that's all they do for a living. Um, the reality though, is that sometimes the, the dietary supplement brands, um, don't make their own stuff. And that's not necessarily a problem. We call it, um, contract manufacturing, that's not inherently a problem. But what is a problem is that if somebody else makes my stuff, then I don't have the expertise and I don't know which questions to ask them to know if they're doing it right or not. Like I can say, give me the best stuff and be really specific about what you're looking for. But if I don't know how to make it myself, I don't know which questions to ask.
0: Yeah, right. So not everything is created equal and it does come back to that thing where, you know, you do put a lot of faith in stuff. So doing a bit of research in this instance is worth your while. I mean, gosh, isn't it funny when you (laughs) you think of something like that and then you go, oh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah, I'll just pick up that thing and eat it and Mm -hmm. that'll make me feel better. No, Mm -hmm. not necessarily. Do your research. Hey, uh, okay, so we know you're wild for magnesium. I actually bought some powdered magnesium the other day for myself and for my Mm, little man. I love it. Except it made me feel sick in the oh, tummy. right. So Ew. this is very interesting because
1: you need to play around. It could be something else that's in it, maybe not the magnesium. Yeah, yeah. It could be that it's not fast enough releasing, so it can send you to the bathroom.
0: Magnesium attracts water? No, it was drinking it. When I was actually drinking oh. it, the taste of it was making me a bit oh, like... Oh, is it flavoured? Yeah. Oh, well, that's... That's there's my, your problem. Yeah, that could be the
1: issue. <laughs> but not all magnesiums are made the same, so it's about mm. finding what works for you. But it is important to understand that, yeah, if you are getting a reaction, there's usually a reason and to mm. look at why. But even just play around with when you're taking it. Maybe you need to take it before food. Maybe you need to take it after food and just look at how you're feeling. If I take supplements on an empty stomach, mm. I feel really nauseous. Like, mm. back takes me back to being pregnant. <laughs> yes, do you
0: get those little horrible fish oil burps too? Oh, they're not. Good, are they? They are not
1: good. You need to get ones that don't do that. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a good. You don't want to be in anyone's company when you're doing that. It's like when someone takes the old school like garlic tablets, and then mm. like, they just actually it's like coming out of their pores. Yep. garlic's not a good smell, is it? Mm.
0: I don't, I've never noticed it on people. But what? Yeah, no. Nah.
1: Oh, I can sometimes, patients, maybe I've got the hippie dippies, but no, sometimes no, I'll walk into do the room about that and me. I can smell the garlic from their paws whilst they're lying there waiting to be treated. <laughs> It's very pungent.
0: <laughs> oh so, my so next time we talk about supplements, I reckon you're going to have come up with an, another one that you think is the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to find out what the man of the moment, when it came to all this stuff, was uh, thinking when yeah. it came to his favourite supplement. And this is one I guarantee you will not have picked.
2: It's lavender. Um, ah. Oh. Lavender is, so lavender is typically thought of as an herb that is, it has to be inhaled. It shouldn't be used topically because it can cause skin irritation and it shouldn't be used orally because it can cause gastric irritation. But in 2010, uh, German scientists uh, created this oral lavender that can be stable um, and can be swallowed as a soft gel. And then they took that oral soft gel and they studied it in um, a study against lorazepam, which is the, the brand name is Ativan, a bendodiazepine uh, for anxiety. And we sort of all knew, quote, knew the herbalists did not all <laughs> lavender was good for anxiousness. But um, until this study came out, it was really like, wow, it's, it's as good as a medication. And then they took it a step further and studied against uh, paroxetine, which is the brand name uh, for Paxil, um, another medication, and showed that it was effective in generalized anxiety disorder against that medication. And so really big and powerful studies and safe, um, and uh, I just, I know a lot of people who are real anxious, I guess, and, and uh, uh, they might have IBS or Crohn's disease or they might have, uh, you know, Parkinson's, but but anxiety or anxiousness or inner tension and, and problems sleeping are sort of ubiquitous throughout all of those things. And, uh, and that seems to be a very, very effective tool. So oral lavender.
1: That is impressive. Oh, I know. What about all of the things that it does? Like, so he talked about how, obviously, it's proven mm. to help with anxiety, which is hilarious because we've been saying for, like, mm. ever... Spray it on your pillow? Yeah, lavender's, like, helps to calm you. But yes. when things are proven... Yeah. We can get excited. <laughs> We're like, Thanks. that is
0: proven. Science said yes. So we have to thank the Germans for this one, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Well, that is impressive. And I was thinking, how can I I need to get a bit more lavender in my life. Well, you got can got it in plant the garden. Some, oh yes. We've got can, heaps of lavender in our garden. Yeah, you can
1: make those like granny bags. Like did your grandma yes. ever have the lavender bag? Yeah, in your undies.
0: Yeah, so maybe something like that's a good idea. Mm, or even I mean, a diffuser, yeah, that's
1: it. You can even purchase some lavender oil and stick it in the diffuser. Again, though, not all oils aren't oils. <laughs> well, as in, I think <laughs> someone else we're might not have a castrol out here. No, yeah. no. no. Um, as in, you want to again always be purchasing the best quality because mm. when things are full of other Carrier. fillers mm. and carriers and stuff, that can become hard to metabolize
0: and it's not healthy for oh, you. All right, so interesting. I know. Do love a bit of lavender. Let's end on that note. Dab mm-hmm. a little bit on your. Pulse points and off you go. Well on that note, Cecilia, mm-hmm. I think we
1: should go and get the diffusers out. Mm. And set the scene, dab a little bit of
0: lavender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that meeting uh, Dr. Corey Schuller was was great today. I mean, we did have to go all the way to Minneapolis or somewhere, <laughs> but I've got to explain again, you are well connected in the States with all these people and it's great because we can pull on all of these people from around the world's expertise to give you ideas and information to to make your life better. That's what we're here for. So,
1: if you need to tap into a little bit more of Dr. Corey Schuler's goodness, mm-hmm. we can find him many places, but the metabolictreatmentcenter.com is where I found him. Yeah, good one. Yeah.
0: If oh, we- you're ever in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> but check out his work online as well. We- and he's got some great videos and yeah. some um, yeah, some really interesting ideas. And I love I love that we come back to that thing where it's just about the individual. Yes. So you got to think about what's going on with you and food is medicine. He did say that. He did, yeah.
1: Anyway, we're rambling now. So, remember to rate us. Oh, yes. Thank Please you for that. that. <laughs> <laughs> we will be very grateful and
0: we, we do particularly like five stars, but, you know, no pressure from Oh, my anyone. gosh, no pressure from you. <laughs> God, I'm sitting across the desk from him. Uh-huh. Hey, until next time, we hope that this episode of The Wellness Collective has left you feeling a little bit healthier, happier and better.